Arf, Pup Akis here with The Dog Dish, a podcast all about puppy play and the humans behind the hoods. No matter where you live in the English-speaking world, you probably have at least one pet play contest that represents your area. From regional contests like Southernmost Puppy and Nipah to city-level competitions like Cincinnati Critter and state-level contests like Oregon State Pet to national contests like Puppy Belgium or France or Italy, there are tons of contests designed to find the pet play enthusiasts who best represent the image of a particular geographical space. Many of these contests are shifting from pup only to more inclusive approaches, with, for example, the Nipah and Cincinnati contests I just mentioned, switching from Northeast Pup and Handler to Northeast Pet and Handler, and from Cincinnati Puppy to Cincinnati Critter this year alone. Anyway, we have a ton of titles in our worldwide community, and in this episode, we'll take a deep dive into what they are, what they do, and why people should and shouldn't run for them. First, let me start with a quick disclaimer for some honest realism. If you're new to the scene or unfamiliar with pet play or regional leather or bar titles, you probably hear all this talk and think it sounds like I'm talking about pageants, Miss America, Miss Georgia, Miss Universe, etc. And, you know, you're somewhat correct. This is controversial for me to say, and we'll get into that controversy in a bit. But the contests we're talking about in this episode are similar in many ways to the pageants we've all heard about. And for another less-than-flattering hot take, these contests provide an evening's entertainment for the local audience. They're a show. And to be fair, and even more critical, they can also become a distraction and a resource drain, sometimes diverting attention and energy away from efforts to build up the communities they represent. But just like anyone who competes in a beauty pageant will get all flustered and defensive if you suggest the event is just a pageant or just a show— Folks in the pet play and leather communities also get defensive about our titles. These titles represent more than they seem to at first glance, and they can hold a great deal of meaning, value, and history for the communities that host them. In short, these contests are complex and imperfect, and nobody you'll hear from in this episode claims they're anything else. But titles are also ever-present, and to one extent or another, kind of a big deal, so they're worth spending time on in order to better understand them. To help me do that, I spoke with someone you heard from in the previous episode, Pup Turbo. My name is Turbo. I'm International Puppy 2016, uh, Northwest Puppy 2016, because years are weird. 2015 IPC Best in Show. From here on the East Coast, I chatted with Kenzo. Kenzo, Mr. Eagle New York City of the 2022. Also, I am the first person of color to ever win the Northeast Puppy title. I also barked at Puppy Boomi for a non-American perspective. Hello, I'm Puppy Boomi. I've been a puppy since 2010. I was a Puppy UK 2018 and Puppy Europe 2019. To everyone tuning in from Down Under, please accept my apologies for not representing you here. I let these interviews sit too long already, and I wanted to get the episode out without making it more complex. But if there's an Aussie or Kiwi take on titles, I should add as a follow-up. Please do let me know. And to the listeners in Latin America, hola, gracias, y lo siento. I'm afraid I don't yet have sufficient connections in Latin countries to tell your story meaningfully and honestly. Again, if I should follow up with more details on titles specifically in your spaces, please reach out. But for now, I'd say there's enough to discuss just looking at American and European contests. So with that, let's dig in. A minute ago, I suggested that title contests are, to some degree or another, like a beauty pageant. There's another major form of contest that might also have come to mind, the Westminster or American Kennel Club dog shows. These international competitions show off actual canines to judge the best of each breed or the best in show and all that. These contests, too, bear some resemblance to the title events we're discussing in this episode. In fact, back when the International Puppy Contest existed for human pups, it featured an obstacle course where human pups had to show their agility and obedience to their handlers. It looks like IPC is making a comeback soon, so let's start there with Pup Turbo. Actually, I I will start with a question that I'm curious about regarding the IPTC reboot. do you know from this vantage point whether it's going to look more like uh, your you know Westminster Dog Show contest or lean more toward the 
Miss America style, for lack of a better <laughs> way to explain this. Because I remember when IPTC and IPC uh, merged, right. one of the concerns and one of the, the things that we saw kind of work its way out over a span of a few years was that the contest style was very, very different between those two. Uh, and I'm just wondering if, uh, if you know whether that's been addressed or is going to be addressed. Well, yeah, IPTC had more of the Westminster Dog Show style of ring performance, uh, whereas IPC had developed into more of a stage show type of thing, mm -hmm. which I don't know if that was intended or not. It's just kind of the direction that puppies took it. <laughs> mm -hmm. How that will play out for IPTC, the reboot, I am not exactly sure. Uh, I believe, uh, if I remember correctly, at the last contest, there was the option of doing either. You could do a ring show or you could do like a stage style show. Uh, the important thing was that who the contestant is as a puppy comes forth so that the judges and the audience can see, okay, what are the elements of this person that makes them a puppy? What makes them a good representative of this community? And that's up to the puppy to figure out what does that mean? What do they want to show of themselves? I really enjoyed the ring portion that I did when I did ran for IPTC, but I also enjoyed the stage performances that I did for other contests. It's all fun and it all has the opportunity to represent who I am. But as far as what it's going to be, I think as far as I know right now, uh, they'll have the puppy will have the opportunity to choose how they present themselves. There's lots more to the American contest for sure, but let's pounce on Boomi for a bit to discuss the differences between American and European contests in general. One of the biggest differences is that in America, contestants are scored by judges, and those scores determine a winner. In Europe, these events are usually called elections instead of contests, because the audience votes on their favorite competitor, and those votes contribute to the scoring. I'll let Boomi explain. There is an element of public voting. So I've got a couple of examples. So I, when I competed for Puppy Europe the first time, so this was February 2018, I was up against one of my friends who is uh, very popular on Instagram and has got um, tens of thousands of followers. And, and it really made me worry. It's like, oh, we're, we're doing this online vote, but I, I've got like maybe a few hundred and he's got a few thousand. So I kind of, I don't feel that's fair. And then it was, it was explained to us that that was just a, um, a bit of fun. And there was a kind of like a, a congeniality prize off the back of that for, for kind of doing, winning the public vote. The consensus around uh, elections in Europe are very much that you have to be there in person to vote. So that will mean that anyone that turns up to the event to watch it can have a say. Um, it ranges between, I'd probably say, 10% and 30% of the overall score that influences uh, who, is, who gets elected. And there have been some elections where that, that figure is higher. So the very first election that I was ever a judge at, it was a 50-50 split. 50% uh, judges and 50% contestants. And I'm not gonna say which which contest it was, but the the jury, there was only two candidates as well. So it was it was literally the first time they'd done an event and they were they thought, oh 50 50 sounds good. Um out of the two candidates, one had a real drive and determination to want to do well and to kind of promote pop play. The other one was he was very pretty. <laughs> he was like, oh can I take him back to my hotel room pretty? Yep. So the judges were all behind the one that kind of wanted to do well for the community, but the audience were all behind the, the pretty one and and in the end the pretty one won by i think it was about five votes uh they, they recounted it three times because it was that close um and then in the end the the pretty ordinate one um did nothing their handlers said right you've got the title but you, yeah you're not you're not going anywhere and the the organizers of the, the contest were so disappointed it's like oh you kind of wanted you to be a, like a, a focal point for the community to, to kind of show people what put play is about. And so they learned a very harsh lesson from that, but also kind of as my first experience, it was quite impactful to, to kind of then see how other contests are run. And as I say, nowadays, I think there was a, a, an election recently where I think 30% of the public vote went towards it because there'd been a lot of public outcry that it was very cloak and dagger behind the scenes. We don't know how these people get, get elected. Is it favoritism? Is, is there kind of, is there favours involved with the judges? 
So um, I think any any election needs to be kind of transparent uh, with uh, the kind of the sections. And I think most events will have at least 50% of the, the scoring will be the interviews and, and how well the contestants can put their case across as to why they should be a title holder. Does that usually involve speeches? Um, yes, yeah, so the, the kind of the, the standard makeup of elections in Europe will be that there is a, a meet and greet. Uh, so the, the contestants can meet the crowds. There'll be an introduction and a, an introduction speech from the contestants to kind of tell the audience who they are and what they're about and what they want to achieve. Then formats change year on year. So sometimes you, you might have an obedience. Sometimes you might have a kind of a, like a, a show where you kind of have to follow kind of commands from a handler. Um, there may be instances where you have to prep something in advance for, for raffle to go towards a travel fund. Um, the, the the election that I've been to in uh, in America, they did that one. They did uh, boxes that then went up for silent auction, um, and the creativity and the um, the creativeness of people that to kind of uh, make the effort to put in these boxes was so good. And then obviously the interview is 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 the biggest kind of part of it. Um, uh, oh, and uh, performance, or I think in in America they're called um, fantasy segments, <laughs> fantasy scenes, or that sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. And so, so we, we have performances of fantasy scenes here in, in Europe and the, they're the best part of the, the, for me. And I think that's the one part where you can really tell if the audience is behind the pup because a good fantasy scene and you, you be able to feel the energy from the audience. So, yeah. So 50% is, is kind of more or less the interview. And then the other 50% is split up between, uh, the public vote, the performance, the presentation and any obedience or kind of discipline segments that they have to do. Have you seen any contests where there's the obedience section and a fantasy scene? Over here, it's usually either or. Uh, yes, I have. So let's have a think. So when I was elected Puppy UK and also for Europe, we did a an obedience and we also did a performance. So I think I think they were scored about 10-15% for each. The obedience was, was and I think this is something that we've, we've probably moved away from in the last couple of years is the, the obedience. Um, it kind of, it's more geared towards the what can this person deliver as a, as a title holder? What can they represent? And I would like to see us get back to more of the the kind of the roots of put play. Um, my performances that I've I've done for UK and Europe, they were always this is a performance about being a puppy title holder. So therefore, I want to be a puppy while I'm in the performance. Um, so that when I have a, when I do a performance, I always make sure that I'm kind of I'm in put mode, or there's a transition between me being non-pop and pop. Uh, whereas others will come on and they'll, they'll <laughs> so the, the, the last election that we've, we've just had in Europe, we had, uh, we had someone dress up members of the audience and themselves in uh, uh, shiny lycra and dance on the stage like this to a song. It was, it was really trippy. Um, but for some strange reason, that one popped straight into my head. But yeah, we've had strip teasers, we've had singers, we've had proper performances, we've got performances that tell a story. There are, there are kind of, uh, quite hardcore performances. I've, I've, I've seen a couple where they've come out to kind of uh, electronic dance music and there's kind of like there's a scene between a handler and a, and a puppy and then there's sex toys involved and they get thrown around on the stage and they have to fetch. They're, they're quite, it's like, wow. Um, one, one of my, um, one of the people that I just a couple of years ago, they did a um, kind of like a lip sync, but it was kind of like acting out a scene. That was really good. The reason why the performances are my favourite is because you really get to kind of see inside the mind of the, the kind of the puppy and it tells you a lot more about their personality than you probably get in the interview or the, the kind of the, uh, the presentation. We've heard a lot about what these contests entail, but we've not said much about the contestants themselves. I wanted to hear about motivations. Kenzo has held various titles continuously over the past four years, a convention title, a local bar title, and a regional puppy title that stretched two years due to COVID. I asked why he ran for all those contests. So I ran for the, those titles because I didn't see people who looked like me in spaces and that represent me like a leather, ABDL, Kickstarter. I didn't see a lot of that. And a quote that resonates with me is be the change you wish to see in the world. And people who always told me no, I was just like, okay, that's a no. And what's going to happen is 
my yes is going to be so bigger than your no that it's going to radiate from the world. So I apply for those titles to show not only myself, but to show others that there are people like me that could hold those positions and work and provide the service. And it's not just about the title, but it's about providing a space for all of us to be one. And so if someone else were to come up and they're like, I'm thinking about running for a title, should I run for a title? What advice do you have? I say go for it. I 100% go for it. It could be fun if you're willing to put the work in and be the representation for your community, then go for it. Like, I never thought I could be the Kenzo that I am today, where I am like traveling around the countries and doing doing and teaching and educating and hosting things. I'm in a position now where I can look at my own self as my own role model because I never used to look at myself as a role model. But being a title holder showed me what it would look like for me if I was to be my own role model. That's interesting. So you ran for these titles because you wanted to see someone like you in those positions. And then after you got the titles, you realized, oh, this is what I could do in these positions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it, it, was, it was like... Yeah, even now thinking about it, I, I sometimes just sit down and I'm just like, damn, I did a lot. But it, I, it doesn't even feel like a lot because what I love is just being around my community and being around the people that I love and just seeing their faces and meeting a lot of new people. Growing up, I didn't like I had friends, but I didn't have a lot of friends. So to have a community of people that I can just like hang out with and talk and just be authentically 100% myself and not hide a, even a percentage of who I am. I feel, yeah, I owe it so much to them to provide a space and to utilize my, my platform to give them that. Yeah, that makes sense. So you had two years uh, with a puppy title and you've had a little title and a bar title and you've run for an international leather title. <laughs> how are, I, I don't know what question I want to ask here, but it's something like how are those different or what makes a puppy title special? Honestly, it was all in the matters of the work I did each year that made it impact a little bit different. One thing that I had very hard time saying is no, <laughs> me personally. And I've learned that it's okay to say no, but most of the times I do say yes because of the satisfaction that it provides for me, especially when I see someone that's like overloaded, has a, a, another extra hand, like, okay, where else do you need to need to be? Or where else does this need to be placed? Or I can handle that. You go do what you got to I love the service. It's for me, it's always been about the service. I know for a lot of title holders, they love the attributes and the traveling and all this, all the good stuff, which is great too, because that's phenomenal and fabulous in its own right. But the service that as a title holders, if if you give yourself to that person to provide service, if that makes sense, then things will I feel like for me in personal experience that it becomes so much worth everything. More rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Do you have any, I don't know, warnings that you would offer people as they were starting to run? I mean, I, I know that being enthusiastic and supportive and a yes man is totally your vibe, but I'm wondering if there's um, any reservation or hesitation you would have that you would offer to say, you know, under these circumstances, you might not want to run, or here are some cautions to warn you about if you're thinking of running for a title. Anything come to mind? I know from my personal experience, one thing that I know that I need to work on better is taking care of myself. If you're a person that neglects that and never have provided yourself really self-care and what does that look like, take the time to provide yourself with that self-care before you actually like step out and go do things because it's it's a lot of energy it's a whole lot of energy and you get burned out real real quick and 
know that everyone is on your side. Everyone's there to cheer you on and not thinking anything negative of you. So I think to answer your question is if you're a person that is not very energy driven or not very about like community, like it may not be the thing for you, but who knows? It could, it could probably bring out so much joy to your heart. It's changed my life. Being a title holder has changed my life completely. So I have a lot of positive things to say about being a title holder. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the one thing that I consistently hear from everyone is um, if, if not the it's changed my life thing, definitely the I grew so much during that year or I, I've become a different person or a better person or I got to know myself better or something like that during that year. Uh, and, and so there is a ton of growth opportunity involved. And I think that goes hand in hand with what you just said, that if someone's contemplating running, they need to make sure that they've got themselves kind of taken care of because it's going to be a rough year and it's yeah. going to take a lot of energy out of them. And if they're not running, you know, full tilt right now, if they've got some some problems that they need to work through, adding a title on top of that is going to make it so much worse. You need to get that kind of wrapped up first so that you're bringing your whole self to the the contest and to the year. Exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You're the center of attention. You're <laughs> everybody. I know people love that, but sometimes that gets too much. It gets <laughs> too much. It's like, y'all bitches better stop looking at me right now. I look busted. This wig is not giving. My nails is not done. Go like a high in the corner. I cannot believe it. I actually got Kenzo on record saying, don't look at me. I never thought I'd see the day. Anyway, back to our discussion. A lot of people, because they see the glory and the whole entire, oh, we, we worship you and da-da-da-da, not necessarily knowing that it may not be the space for them. Me, personally, I like to challenge <laughs> I like the challenge personally. I like to, okay, like for example, a lot of people told me not to run for Mr. Eagle. A lot of people told me, no, girl, that's a white man's world. Don't do that. Plus, you're a cubby bear. And I was just like, all right, okay, let me, let me put myself in the place. But then you realize sometimes you just need to show people that there's people that can step up and be that one that could just be like, okay, I could be that person and I could step foot in the room and be different and fuck shit up, like no forever. And doing that made it so much rewarding because it showed people how open they can be and what it looked like for them. So if you feel confident in yourself to go for that title, at least put yourself on the stage and go for it. Why not? What's the worst thing they could say? No. And even that, hey, you have next year. And, and you got yourself in front of people and people know who you are now. And so you have the ability to make more connections and to do what it is that you want to do. Whatever you plan to do as a title holder, you then do without the bullseye on your back and show the world that you can still make those things happen. Now let's go back to Turbo for his thoughts on motivations. What advice would you give if someone says like, why, why should somebody run? Like, what's the, what's the point of running for one of these contests? Why, why do people do this? Uh, your face. I wish there were a way to get your face in the show. <laughs> it, it spoke volumes. <laughs> you know, Usually when, if someone comes up to me and I'm not real familiar with who they are and they ask me, should I run to, you know, for a puppy title? Uh, I say, no, mm -hmm. <laughs> if, if you're not sure, don't do it. Go to a contest, watch what others do. Talk to other contestants, talk to past title holders, see if this is something that you want to do. Obviously we want every contestant to make the title their own do their thing. You know, if they're an educator, educate it. If they, if they want to go out and just show off puppy, do that. But it's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. There's usually some sort of travel fund, but it's not going to cover it all. There's just, there's just not enough there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, travel is so expensive now. Mm -hmm. So why run for a title? 
I can tell you why I did it. And that, that'll do. It was honestly the same reasons I've done a lot of things in my life, and that's path dependency. <laughs> 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 my very first puppy event with other puppies, other handlers, was International Puppy 2014. So no Jump to the deep end. Jump right into the fire, which is kind of how I tend to do things. Coming from North Florida at the time, I had not been able to find other puppies. I had not been able to find any sort of mm -hmm. local community. So I was moving to Portland to go to school, sold everything I had, bought the motor home, and planned it out so that I was traveling to St. Louis for International Puppy on my way to Portland. And so that was my first experience with other puppies. And yeah, jumping in the deep end. I remember my very first uh, realization walking into that space, walking into the bar on a Friday for the social and the, the meet and greet. And I was like, why are all these motorcycle dudes here? <laughs> um, I had no concept of the, the connection to leather culture. Mm -hmm. And um didn't really know what a Leatherman was and found it kind of scary. I was just a dog. I don't know about all this stuff. Mm -hmm. In fact, my very first hood was a very simple neoprene hood. I went out of my way to not get leather because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I didn't know about all that life. But it took the weekend to get me hooked on leather and being a leather person. So that was fine. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I, I went to this event and it was awesome puppies were having fun i got to be on all fours all the time and just run around and everyone appreciated my energy they appreciated how puppy i was mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and what i didn't know at the time was that usually people don't go into full headspace in a bar and there's reasons for that um mm -hmm. but i didn't know that yet so i was just <laughs> all in as a result of me being all in and as a result of me saying, yeah, I'm moving to Portland, Pup Figaro had won that year. Mm -hmm. And Tim and his crew from the Pacific Northwest are like, you need to run for Northwest Puppy. I'm like, I'm not even there yet. <laughs> I'm in a mobile motor home here. I don't live in Portland yet. And they're like, just need to run. I'm like, all right, whatever. So um that was july by early august i had gotten the portland august 14th i was driving to vancouver bc to compete in northwest puppy so i did and i did not win that year uh that was the year kona won but it got me really excited for puppy contests and for being involved in that type of activity i met so many people um i became friends with people during that event that i'm still best friends mm -hmm. with today mm -hmm. and just the opportunity to meet so many interesting people in the community yeah i was kind of hooked at that moment <laughs> so what made you what made you run like why so we, we said before you know why do people run and if if you have to ask then don't so yeah. you were encouraged to what was i your was motivation? encouraged are we supposed to be honest here? Okay. Uh, <laughs> my motivation was to make people proud of me. And that was largely my motivation for doing a lot of things in my life. Not a great thing. Um, but so I had all these new friends, all these pillars of the puppy community that were said, you're a good puppy. You should run for a title. Okay. But I really didn't know what that meant. I really didn't know the responsibility I was signing up for at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, now, by the time I ran for Northwest Puppy the second time uh, and won, I had a better idea of what I was getting into. Um, I'd been friends with Figaro and I'd friends with Kona for longer, and I'd seen what other contestants, other title holders had to do mm -hmm. in order to, you know, fulfill them. I saw what size shoes I had to fill, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was a bit more ready for it then. When you ran for Northwest Pop 2015, what what was your motivation then? Combination of things. It was to make others proud of me, mm -hmm. to prove that I could do it to myself because I'd you know lost the previous year. I'm like, well, fuck, I'm going back. I'm going to try to win this thing again. Okay. You know, I see how it's done. I see what the backstage thing looks like. I know mm -hmm. what the interviews are like, which is actually the main part of the contest, 
most people don't see of mm-hmm. those interviews mm-hmm. and I had a better handle on it. And I'm like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the requirements for Northwest puppy, I was already doing all that stuff. I was already going to the, around the entire region, going to as many events as I could and being the best damn puppy that I could be. <laughs> I was already doing educational stuff. I was already teaching puppy stuff at Portland state. So why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, for my title year as Northwest Puppy, I didn't have to change a thing when I was doing. Mm-hmm. I just kept on doing my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a patch on my back now, and a lot more people wanted to know me. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so there's that. It, it sounds like it gave you the opportunity to do what you were already doing, but it gave you more support to do it. It gave me more support. It gave me a more solid platform. When people are asking, you know, well why should this person teach this class on puppy 101 what are their qualifications well they're northwest puppy 2016 oh okay okay yeah so they should know what they're doing and yeah i did (laughs) so i did (laughs) but the the international contests are well it's a different level altogether because basically now you're doing all these same things visiting different communities visiting different areas but it's international it's obviously it's a lot bigger mm-hmm. and it's a lot more time it's a lot more money and i discovered that what puppy was to me in the pacific northwest is not necessarily what puppy is to everybody else in the rest of the world mm-hmm. um or in the rest of the united states even mm-hmm. uh different areas have different cultural norms different social norms that get applied to puppy and it's uh it was a learning experience which is exactly what i wanted kenzo also highlighted the sense of connection family or brotherhood that comes from entering a contest when you're running for a contest or when you're in the process of running for a contest like for example international mr leather that experience alone for me And you could talk to any of of my other brothers and they will say the same thing. We all stick together. Like, Like, for some reason, I may not know you and you may not know me, but since you're Mr. South Carolina and I'm Mr. New York, oh my God, it'll be like, baby, you're a tight holder. I'm a tight holder too. Hugs, 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 kiss, kiss, kiss. Love, love, love. And... It's not so, so there's a common bond immediately yeah. that you can start drawn from. Yeah. yeah. One big example is IML. IML for me was the most insane experience in my life. I have not cried so much to the point where I felt like I can't cry no more because I left it all in Chicago. <laughs> and it, one thing that I came out of it was just that what we do as title holders, we represent our city, our state, our bars, our peoples, our communities. We represent so much. What you just brought to my mind is that when folks compete in a particular contest, they will share a connection with the other contestants in that contest that will just never go away, that you will have gone through this experience together and you will be closer to the people that you're competing with than than you ever realized you could possibly be uh because you're all going to put it out there on the line you're all going to bring your full selves to this event and you're going to get to see both the selves that they bring to the stage but also what they do backstage to recover and and where their vulnerabilities are and where their worries are and you're going to be there to support each other and you'll have each other's backs and that sort of thing uh, and it it always amazes me to watch these contests and how we're always competing with other people. We're not competing against other people. Exactly. We all help each other. That's the best way to put it. When competing for a contest, I never use the word competition. I always utilize the thought of what can I do to bring the best stuff myself onto the table and help others, even what, who was considered my competition, to bring their best selves on the table. Because at every single contest I competed in backstage, we're helping each other get ready. Absolutely. It's not necessarily everybody's getting ready by themselves and they have this whole entire stylist team in order for this, that. No, 
it's not glamorous. It's not no, glamorous backstage. Absolutely not. We're all helping each other out, making sure that the shoes are tied, making sure we all look cute. At least the little hairs over there are plucked a little bit. <laughs> but, you know. But we're all sweating and rushed and worried and, and exhausted. And yep. But we still help each other. It's that kind of thing where if there's a way that we're able to provide support for each other, we do provide support for each other because we want to see the best of each other and we want to see the best in each other when we're there uh, at those contests. So, oh, here's a question for you. If someone doesn't win a title, if they if they run for a title and they don't win it, um, one of the lines I hear an, off, an awful lot is that just means you weren't the person that the judges were looking for for whatever that title needed that year or something like that is there a response that you have to folks who perhaps run and don't make it the is, question that i always ask everybody when they want to run for a title or like when i'm on a panel if you lose what are you doing tomorrow mm. <laughs> what's the correct answer to that question Whatever you should have been doing yesterday. Uh-huh. What I always tell people, you just was not chosen. Without the title, the work that still needs to be done. When I remember the first thing that I did in two occasions, and I am now, because I didn't make top 20, all we needed was just a hug and an embrace and just to realize that, sure, I did not win, but I support you 100%. I remember after the Eagle contest, and even after the Northeast Puppy Contest, a lot of the people who competed with me, they were there throughout a lot of the events that I hosted. They were the first ones to arrive. And they were the first ones to ask, what do you need help with? And they even told me, like, they even told me, oh, I may run for this competition. I may run for, what is your advice? Or what do you think I should have done? Da, 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 da. Like, we're, it's, it's all a family, genuine bond. And that's how we grow together. I want to make sure we hear from Boomi about why someone would run for a title. But first, remember how at the top of the episode I said these contests are similar to pageants? Well, Boomi disagrees. It's not, it's not a pageant because you, you're not looking to vote the prettiest or the person who's put plays the best. Um, and and I'm sure there'll, there'll be a lot of people out there that when they give advice, they'll say things like, you don't need gear to be a pup. Which is, which is exactly the kind of the, the point of it not being a pageant. Okay, fair enough. So I asked Boomi what advice he would give to someone thinking of running for a pageant. I, I mean, a content, I, I mean, an election. <sighs> you know what I mean. Here's Boomi. So I am I am contestant coordinator for Puppy UK and uh, Puppy Europe, uh, which I think in, in the United States, I think they sometimes are referred to as den daddies, which I like a lot. I'm thinking of adopting that for, for, the, for my title here in, in Europe, the den daddy. Um, when people kind of come up to me, it's like, oh, I'm thinking of applying. It's like, okay, so I set their expectations. I try and manage their expectations to what they're letting themselves into because it can be a, a roller coaster because you've got groups that, that aren't supportive of title holders and you've got groups that kind of are really supportive and then you want to do your own things. So kind of get a clear idea of, of, of what you want to get out of it, but not just what you can get out of it, what you can offer so whether that's a, a focal point being a point of reference whether you kind of you're promoting a, a message like mental health or uh, hiv and aids safe sex prep kind of anything like that so kind of have an idea of what it is you want to be able to stand for during your kind of your year um, make sure that you've got the support the financial the, the ability to travel um, make sure it's right for you at the, the kind of that moment in time um, I speak to a lot of people that just want to go for it because they want the sash and they just want to kind of, they want everyone to pay them attention. And it's like, well, you're probably not going to get very far in the interview kind of if that's all you're going to stand for. Then I'll kind of tell them to, to do something before the election, which is a great way to kind of go into the interview and go, hey, look what I did over here. So if you elect me, then you know that I'm capable of doing stuff. So it's, it's always great, even if and it doesn't have to, you don't have to change the world. It just has to be something small. It could be organizing a monthly group of pups to go to the cinema. It doesn't have to be, uh, oh, I'm going to host a, um, I hope, I hope they don't listen to this, but one, one pup a few years ago was like, oh, I'm going to put on a puppy festival. I'm like, okay, great. 
how are you going to do that? It's like, well, it's going to be great. I'm just going to, we're going to get a stage and there's going to be like ball pits and stuff. Okay. How are you going to do that? And he, he couldn't answer that, that question. And it's, so don't, don't aim for the stars, just aim for something that, you know, you can achieve and do well, uh, is the other one. Um, and then once they're obviously into the, the kind of they've submitted their application, um, then it's kind of talking them through the final details. So practice the kind of questions you're going to get asked. When you, when you get elected, you obviously get the buzz of, uh, the night and the kind of the environment here and everyone's kind of like cheering and then kind of celebrating what you've just achieved. But the sash or patch doesn't make you the title holder. It's your actions through the following months through to your step down earns you the right to, to kind of say that you were the title holder and one of my one of my friends who was uh, the the first dutch puppy bentley he he's always said you, you you've only succeeded as a title holder when you've made it to your step down and you're actually handing it over to somebody else because you you know you've been through the 12 months of of hardships and made that difference but then that journey that you then go on from the night of your election through the year, it can be the most amazing experience. Unfortunately, we've had some that haven't been able to do that because of COVID. But when when we're allowed to travel again, then it's such a, uh, it was a life-changing experience for me. It kind of helped me to find the confidence of my younger self. It kind of, it, it helped me realise that I really enjoy helping other people. And I kind of, I get a lot of uh, positive energy that keeps me going which is why I'm busier now than I was, because I've had that much positive energy given to me that I want to kind of keep giving it, giving it out. So it, it's, it's one hell of a ride. It can be very life-changing and life-affirming, uh, very, very validating to um, your interpretation of what pet play is, of pet play. And so, yeah, so that's, that's probably one of the reasons that you would go for it. But the thing is, you're probably not going to understand that until you've been elected and been through it and experienced it yourself. So it's all right for me to say that, but you won't fully understand it until you're elected. Indeed. Okay, I want to editorialize here for a minute. I was asked recently by a current title holder whether I think titles are good for the community. I knew by how he asked that he kind of didn't, so I was eager to engage and hear his thoughts, which, for the record, I presented at the top of the show, that bit about being a resource drain and a distraction from community building. My take is this. Titles allow communities of various sizes to identify people who represent the issues they think are currently important, and title holders put a face, or hood, on those community values. They help give the community someone to stand behind and support, and the speeches made at contests, elections, non-pageants, whatever we're calling them, create a public forum to bring up and discuss issues for extended conversation over the year. And with the loss of our international-level title contest a few years back, and remember, this is me editorializing here, so take this as one pup's opinion. With the loss of an international-level title, we no longer have a figurehead or guiding event to focus our attentions on community values we could share globally. But in my conversation with Boomi, he brought up another reason title holders are really important for our communities. They become a local nexus of connections. Title holders become visible, widely recognizable resources to folks within and even outside their communities, facilitating connections and communication. Here's how he explains it. Yeah, so so when I was elected in the United Kingdom, people are divided on whether or not title holders in the puppy community is a good thing. Um, they've obviously served their purpose well in the fetish, in the leather and the rubber, being that focal point that kind of like you can do a quick google search and actually you'll probably end up looking at a title holder uh when i when i was elected for puppy uk there were people that were very much against the idea and, and the concept um and in my mind uh, a title holder isn't the de facto leader of the community which is in, in a lot of the a lot of the arguments i had it's like oh we don't need someone to lead us and it's like well that's that's not what the title holder is there for the title holder is there to to kind of be a focal point for um, new and existing members of the community that if they have any questions or they might need support in some way, there is a focal point that is there that they can reach out to and go, hey, I'm kind of, I'm a new pup and I'm looking for events in, in this particular area. Can you help? And then the title holder will go, well, 
um, yeah, go speak to this person that runs your, your closest event. So to me, it was, it was never around being the de facto leader of the public community in, in, in UK or Europe. It was, it was about being a focal point and uh, allowing people to have access to information so that they can uh, make better choices or kind of get support with, with their mental health or kind of learn where other book groups are or get connected on telegram um so that that to me is kind of what being a focal point means yeah so it sounds like title holders become a point of connection or a, a means of getting like more involved or or finding resources and that sort of thing um i remember whenever i was pretty new to the scene uh, i would I would be intimidated whenever I saw, you know, all those people with patches on their backs. I was like, oh, those are important, special people. And who am I to go approach one of them and all that? But then I I did and I realized, oh, wait, they're actually nice. And then I, I, just a couple of times I would say, hey, I'm from a different place. What's going on here? And just they would they would like gush and be so nice and so helpful. I realized, oh, wait, no, those are the exact people that you should reach out to whenever you don't know anyone, because they are the connected ones who are able to kind of direct you to other folks and, and get you what you're looking for. So, yeah, that that makes sense. Elections are held with the, the view that you want to elect someone that can be that focal point, that um, can be engaging with the community, that can maybe deliver something through the the duration of their their title and and be that friendly face to kind of introduce new people and and kind of be the glue for the the existing so to me it's 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 very much a job interview that whenever i kind of mentor people that are going for titles and this is pups and and leather men and and rubber men it's this is a job interview (laughs) they they want to know have you got the, the kind of the qualities that will endear you to the existing kind of scene but also make it so that if someone does see you out with your sash they're not intimidated and they'll come up to, to kind of speak to you and it always kind of upsets me to hear that people get intimidated by the kind of the sashes and sashes and the patches because as you say it's like if you go up and speak to them they'll be like oh my god yes a, a new puppy let me help you in some way what can i do for you the, the uh, all all of the title holders that i know would kind of give their time freely to help anybody that asked. Kenzo also sees title holders as people able to facilitate connections, and he also agrees with Boomi about helping anyone who asks. I love title holders because title holders are very uh, service-oriented. Like, if you have a question in regards to something, ask a title holder because they'll point you out to the right direction of where mm-hmm. you need to go. <laughs> Well, well, no. The way you said that is important because you you didn't say that you ask the title holder a question, they'll give you an answer. You said that they will point you in the right direction because the title holder is probably connected to other people. Mm -hmm. The title holder probably knows people who would be able to give the answer to the question. Exactly. Exactly. So what I'm hearing from you is that we should treat title holders as resources, not as answer keys. Exactly. Exactly, because I don't know the, all the answers, and you may not know all the answers either. Yep, but I know you, and because I know you, I'm able to get a whole bunch of answers and a whole bunch of information about stuff that I don't know, because you and I exist in different circles, Yeah. and as a result, we are able to draw from different places, which is wonderful. It's all because, honestly, the words that I love, can I help you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I love using those words because especially in, a, in, the, in our community, a lot of people that enter in, they just feel nervous and afraid or they don't know how to put their foot in the water when it's just coming into the space and just being comfortable who you are. It sounds like you're giving them like almost a platform for self-expression. Yeah. You're giving them the motivation and encouragement to be themselves more openly in yeah. spaces that you're around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's We've cool. Been- as as kinksters, we are always ostracized, and you get you get tired of just reading or seeing just very negative things in regards to the things that you're into, and it brings you so much shame, and mm-hmm. that just like gives you negativity in your body. And I don't like that for me or for anybody else. So I always try to radiate positivity as much as I possibly can. And make sure that mm-hmm. everyone knows whenever you're in a space, and especially in my space, maybe it's all for you. Let's go back to Turbo for a second to really bring this home with some very practical advice. 
you say that folks should decide to run for these contests when they feel like they're a good fit for the contest. And if they're not sure what they're trying to get out of it, they should basically steer clear. So it it sounds like this is all a variation of like, you need to do you and you need to do the best version of you that you can do. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, if you want to compete in the contest and do you and you is not what they're looking for, fine. You keep doing you. You know, every contest is different. Uh, it's a job interview. And just like any job interview, it depends on who's interviewing you and what they're looking for. You might be the best dog in the world. And that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for the best speaker, the best educator, the best whatever. Best performer. Um, best performer. Exactly. Yeah. To go off of what you said earlier, I think that's why it's so important to speak to previous people who have held that particular title in the past, because they could speak to what that title is looking for. Uh, because different contests do have different expectations and do have different things that they want their contestants to show or, per, or put out there in the world, basically. Making sure that the things that you want to put out in the world align with what the contest wants to have put out in the world is, is pretty much something that I think you can only find out by talking to people who have been involved in the contest before. Yeah, yeah. If someone wants to run, usually the, the biggest piece of advice I can give them if they really want to win this thing is get to know the judges. Maybe not personally, you know, that could be a little weird, but find out what their interests are. Find out what their platform was when they ran for a title and just find out what's important to them and research that. You know, you don't have to make that your platform but you should know what's important to your judges because you've got six or eight or ten or whatever your contest has mm -hmm. judges that you need to relate to on some level um, at some point so finding ways to make your platform relate to their interests mm -hmm. is is important yeah, yeah because so many people think it's a popularity contest or a mm -hmm. beauty contest mm -hmm. and it's really not at all you can be an absolute nobody and you know come into the contest and if you've got the right values and got the right i don't know spirit <laughs> yeah um enthusiasm is part of it enthusiasm yeah. um and if you hit the judges right you can, uh, you're there mm -hmm. so there you have it if you're thinking of running for a title reach out to past winners if you can clarify your platform learn about the judges, and above all else, keep the community's values foremost on your mind, either in terms of how you'll reflect them or how you'll push them forward just a bit during your year. With that, you should be able to compete with confidence and have the support of your community regardless of how you place. Just running for a title gives you a platform and a network of connections to help you grow. Thanks for listening to The Dog Dish. And special thanks to Pups Boomy, Kenzo, and Turbo for their time, perspectives, and insights, and their patience on the production of this episode. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy these conversations and want to keep them coming, if these episodes help you feel connected or informed, please help support the show's production. Imagine if you and I had these chats in a bar and you'd say, eh, let me buy you a drink. Consider sending that along to make sure everyone everywhere can benefit from these discussions. Just follow the Become a Patron link at dogdishshow.com. Thanks for helping out, and a special shout-out to Marco for his ongoing support. I really do appreciate it. That's it for this episode of The Dog Dish. Be sure to train your favorite podcast player to fetch, so you'll hear the next episode once it's released. Or you can visit dogdishshow.com for all episodes, for more information about the show, and to get in touch. I'd particularly love to hear from you about potential topics for future episodes. What else do you want to learn about? What issues should I address to keep the conversation going? Reach out on dogdishshow.com or find me, Pup Achus, that's A-E-C-H-U-S, on Telegram, Twitter, or Facebook. But until that next episode comes out, you stay. Stay tuned for more, that is. Arf.